Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast with me, your host, Leona Burton. In a world where conformity often reigns supreme, I am here to spotlight the rebels, the people who are changing the game. This podcast is brought to you by Peaks Private Members Club, the very place to be for successful entrepreneurs scaling past six figures, those people who are looking for long-lasting connections. At Peaks, founded by Nicola Peak, they specialize in breakthrough business and social events that go beyond the ordinary. It's a place where successful entrepreneurs come together to experience transformative mastermind sessions, receive unique mentoring, and build long-lasting relationships with peers on the same growth journey. Stay with us to the very end for an exclusive Peaks offer. And we are live. Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast with me, Leona Burton, and the incredible Caroline Strawson. Now, I have had the pleasure of watching this woman go from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength over the last few years. And she has blown my freaking mind with all of the things she's been doing. She's amazing. And it really has been a transformation. I was going to make up a word there. Transformative process. Um, you, when you burst into my life like a blonde ball of energy, um, you were actually a divorce coach, I believe, at the time. And yes. you have gone on to do so many things and change so many lives. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you got into what you're doing now. Yeah, it's, I remember, I remember we came out to Spain, didn't we? And we had like a day together. It was amazing. And you and it, was, it was 150 pounds for a whole day with me. I know, I know. What were you thinking? It's like, I'll have that, thanks very much. I know. You were, I remember at the time you were like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just want to help everybody. Now I'm learning. I learned the hard way. Aren't we all? Life is always a learning journey, isn't it? And yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you know what? That was probably about five years ago now would you believe almost five years ago um this month actually and having been through my own divorce at the time so sort of 10 11 years ago I came out of my marriage and I didn't realize I'd been in an abusive marriage with a covert narcissist I was literally a shell of myself Leona I was like I was overweight I didn't like looking in the mirror I was self-harming I was having panic attacks I was depressed I was anxious but I kind of put it all down to the fact that my mum had passed away I'd had multiple miscarriages what I didn't realize was that I'd been in an abusive relationship I'd been gaslit I'd been financially abused I'd been manipulated and controlled and I didn't even realize and that kind of then then got me on this pathway really to where I am today because I was desperately trying to heal I was in so much debt I was left in over 70k debt I had my house repossessed in April 2013 so you can imagine I was the epitome of what I thought I would never be a single mother with no money wanting to do the best for my children and literally still kind of up against that post-separation abuse that happens when you divorce a narcissist And I kind of realized that I needed to do something. I hit 40 in um, 
June 2013. And I remember almost you know, sitting at these kind of crossroads thinking, okay, I can either accept this, my life is going downhill now, and I, it, it's just the way it is. But there was a little bit of fire still inside me. I didn't know how, but I didn't want that life for my children. I didn't want that life for myself. And actually, towards the end of that year, I actually joined a network marketing company towards the end of that year, just to earn a little bit of extra money, because £50 a week was £50 a week to me. It was a lot mm -hmm. of money. And my background, I was in the medical profession, I was a podiatrist, but the money coming in didn't equal the money going out. So what happened was I joined this network marketing company, and I did really, really well. I was winning the holidays and the big checks, and I loved it, but... What I realized was what I loved more was helping people. I realized that there was a real lack of support around divorce, around abuse, around trauma. And that kind of set me on a pathway of retraining. Now, initially, you're absolutely right. When we met, I was going down the divorce route. I thought, you know what? That's me. I want to help other women who've been through a divorce because I know literally the trauma of that. But what I realized really, really quickly was the women and men, because I still work with men too, that were coming to me, had all been pretty much in abusive relationships, particularly narcissistic relationships. And when I looked out there and I saw what was being spoken about around narcissism, I thought, I don't want to step into that field because it's filled with judgment. It's filled with conflict. You know, everyone's got a perception of what narcissism is. And I actually didn't want to step into it. But the universe clearly had other ideas because it was sending more and more people my way. And in the end, I thought, you know what, if I don't like this way it is, I need to be the change. I need to step into that arena and I need to be part of that. So I started to retrain in many, many other elements. I realized that just talking therapy wouldn't help somebody heal trauma. I looked at retraining in a lot of what we call somatic therapies, somatic experiencing, EMDR, brain spotting, internal family systems, positive psychology, and really integrating all of that together to then build my business. And five years later now, if you'd have said to me, I'd have a business as big as I have right now, you know, it's like multi seven figures. I pinch myself, Leona, I would never have believed you. And I think this is really about the evolution, just like we were saying at the start, even before we came on air, you know, you kind of run with it. I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. So I'm always listening, I'm always looking. And it's not the money that drives me, it's the purpose. It's the purpose of helping people through trauma, narcissistic abuse, domestic abuse, so they never have to feel shame the way I felt shame when I went through that. Wow. Wow, wow. I mean, so much of this hits home with me because there are so many women that come through the doors in myth who have experience so much of what you're talking about and I know that it's very real for so many people and it has such a massive impact in how they show up for themselves they show up for their business they show up for their families yeah. they continuously find themselves on a hamster wheel of not being able to progress because of the weight of all of that trauma holds them back yeah absolutely and I think you know, and 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 I, I did this myself and I see it so often where, you know, women want to create financial independence, you know, for their children. They want to create generational wealth. They want to turn their lives around. The problem being that many women do is we focus on the money side, the building the business side of that. And whilst that is amazing to focus on strategy, we need that to build a business. You know, it can't mm -hmm. not be there. But when I see people not building a business or not 
reaching their potential. And yet I know that they've bought multiple business courses, for instance. I know it's trauma related. It's about they're fearful of visibility and very often fearful of success, not just failure. And just talking about this very often can help in a moment and validate how somebody feels. But we have to work in the body. We've got to work at a nervous system level to really shift the underlying root cause of why somebody might be fearful of visibility, fearful of success, you know, so scared of failing that we don't even start because if we haven't started, then we've not failed. So Mm -hmm. there's so many different parameters to all of that. And because everything is available to each and every one of us, whatever our definition of success is, But if we're not reaching that, there are reasons for that. But so many of us feel like a failure, feel like we're, you know, filled with shame about, oh, I've just worked with someone, I've done this, and and then they don't get the results they want, and then they either go into themselves or worse, sometimes they'll blame the person they bought a program off as well, because it's their fault then that it hasn't worked. And I'm a big believer, you know, all healing is self-healing. This isn't anybody's responsibility. And as hard as that is, and I know that was hard because I looked at everybody to rescue me and fix me for so long. But actually, once we start to take that ownership and responsibility, as hard as it is, it really is the biggest, biggest gift that we can ever give ourselves. Absolutely. Honestly, I'm sat here with a massive smile on my face because I realise now that we as humans are responsible for everything that we build right going forward you know and that kind of reacting response to what it is that's going on around us that that's down to us and we have the opportunity to be able to heal ourselves so that we can grow a life grow a business that we are proud of that we want to live on a daily basis 100%. We can't change the people around us, but we can change our somatic, our body experience about the people around us. You know, my ex-husband is still a narcissist. He's never changed. The power for me to heal was not in changing him, was understanding why did I stay with him? What is making me react in the way that I do around him? That's where the power comes in, not in changing anybody else, but really going deep to the root cause of why do I react and feel like this when they behave like this or when those events happen? And that's why I love using parts work in what I do. So internal family systems is an evidence-based parts therapy. Completely transformed my life around with other nervous system therapies because There are no bad parts of us. If we have parts of us that show up, Leona, like procrastination, you know, like people pleasing, like anxiety, dissociation, anger, addictions, none of these are bad parts of us. These are all protector parts of us trying to distract and soothe us away from a core wound that we have. Maybe that's I'm not good enough because we interpreted maybe like say from my instance my dad's lack of emotion praise love growing up my interpretation of that was it must have been me that created a core wound of not feeling good enough so my protector parts became high achieving people pleasing and perfectionism and as (laughs) I went into my adulthood that became self-harm emotional eating anger dissociation I used to feel a huge amount of shame about all of these because I thought I shouldn't self-harm or what's wrong with me just move forward but actually this is 
when our nervous system starts to kick in because it's only trying to protect us. So if anybody is showing up in a way that they think, why do I keep doing that? And they start to criticize themselves. That's a part of them. That's an inner critical part, almost keeping you on the floor. Because if you're on the floor, at least you're not getting up and then there's a long place to fall. So there's no bad parts of us. But the problem being is we try and push those parts away because we don't want to deal with them because we don't like ourselves for behaving like that, as opposed to bringing them in, welcome them in, listen to them. Why are you there? What do you think would happen if I'm not there? Because very often those protector parts aren't protecting you as the badass woman that you are. They're protecting a wounded inner child that we have within us. Talk to me about somatic healing because it's something that until you started to bring it to the conversation, I'd never heard of, right? I'd never heard of it. And interestingly, over the last couple of weeks, I've heard more and more and more about it. So Tell us for those who uh, uh, the listeners that have no idea what it is, just give us a, a brief overview. Yeah, if you think about years ago, and many of us have had CBT counseling, and there's nothing wrong with those, you know, they're very validating, because you have someone in front of you seeing and hearing you and validating you, which is all of our attachment wounds. The problem being with just talking about our problems is we're not actually getting to the root cause, we're only using the front part of our brain. Now, about 25 years ago, when CBT was founded, it was, or, or even longer than that, actually, it was basically cognitive behavioral therapy. So therapy to look at cognitively the behavior we are doing to try and manage the symptoms of that. Now, we now know with neuroscience that our our brain, there's a lot of plasticity and we can change all of that. But we also have to work at our nervous system level. So somatic means in the body. So when we work somatically, we're actually working at a nervous system level. We're creating corrective experiences for our nervous system that got stuck in a given moment. So for instance, if you had a child who is maybe being neglected or, or, or worse, being abused, for instance, that child in that moment will be in a trauma response, very likely the child will go into a freeze response it will dissociate because it would be too dangerous to get really angry at the abuser because something even worse may happen so that child ends up being stuck in a freeze or dissociative response now that's not that child being submissive or giving up that's the child's nervous system taking over to keep the child safe in that moment the problem being with our nervous system it very often stays stuck so as adults, then you can often find we're living out trauma responses from our inner child. So what we want to then work out is, okay, we can't change what's happened to us in the past, but let's go back and change the somatic experience of that child. Because children are very egocentric. So everything that happens to a child, we think it's because of us. Parents get a divorce, it must be because of me. And even though as adults, we can look back and know it's not because of us, our body still thinks it is. So our nervous system will then react. So if we have core wounds of sort of not feeling worthy or good enough, that we've interpreted from childhood from experiences, that gets stuck literally at our nervous system level, because it hasn't had an opportunity to complete that response cycle. So as adults, what we need to do is complete the response cycle. So the brain goes, ah, that's in the past now, not right now. And it stops us then from reacting in the present as if we were right back in that past experience. I, I find this truly fascinating. So it's I have a question. <laughs> it's so interesting. I have a question. I experienced a lot of trauma very early on in my life, which has resulted to me, in all honesty, not remembering 
a lot of my childhood. How do you start to unpick that? So from a somatic healing perspective, how do you start to unpick that if you can't, if there is just no memory? Yeah, so when we work with trauma, we're actually working in the here and now. How does your body feel right now? Because people may have had things that have happened to them in the past. They don't remember them, but they're still living their life. It's not actually affecting them necessarily. They've they've still processed it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like every single traumatic event that's happened in our childhood and beyond, we haven't processed. We do process some things. What we have to do is get curious about in the present moment, how are we showing up that maybe has come from our past experiences? Now, what you highlight there is when we don't remember, and many people who've had really traumatic childhoods, very often they can't remember. And and it can be quite frustrating for people that they just want to remember because it's if I can remember, I can fix it. And many people Mm -hmm. feel like that. Now, in our emotional part of our brain called the limbic system, we have something called the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is our long-term memory center. Now, when we experience trauma, it actually shrinks. It gets smaller in size. So this is why many people experience memory loss, brain fog. We forget things. And it's actually our brain, again, everything about us as human beings is in protection of us to survive and to be in the least amount of pain. So you not remembering is likely the hippocampus being smaller and protecting you. You often find when you start to do some deeper work at a nervous system level, you may start to get things coming back. But ultimately, it actually doesn't matter because we can work somatically on sensations. We don't need images necessarily to do that. We just know then, as an adult, Leona, if you're living your life in a certain way, we start to track sensations. We start to notice what you're feeling in your body. So we don't necessarily need to know exactly the reason why. We may have an overview view of all of that but what we're doing is tracking sensations tracking movements in your body to complete that so regardless of what's happened in your past your body then feels it's in the past it's not in the present moment it's really helping your body recognize you are here right now and you are safe right now but very often our bodies are back in past experiences and so many people are you know micro braced we're walking around in this kind of micro hypervigilant state just in case something happens mm-hmm. you know our shoulders will be tense our jaw will be clenched and many people are living their lives like this in this kind of highly dissociate dissociative response so mm-hmm. feeling nothing as such but actually with a really high what we call fight flight sympathetic charge underneath that so it looks like we're functioning and this is what we call functional freeze but then when something triggers a core wound we have explosive moments of anger we think as anger people will judge us people will think we're a bad person it's actually a good thing when we do have uh, moments of anger because we're processing but because Mm -hmm. of our front part of our brain we think people will think we're weak they will judge us so we push it back down and we go back into that freeze that functional freeze response and then we wonder why we have this epidemic of chronic illness because we're pumping out cortisol in our body even though we are safe longer than we need to this leads to inflammation ibs fibromyalgia other autoimmune disorders and then we wonder why we are suffering we go to the doctors where we get given medication because we're treating the symptoms we're not looking at the root cause which over 90 percent of the root cause will be some form of trauma wow (laughs) wow oh my goodness my mind is absolutely but I mean I knew you were good I (laughs) I knew you were good but this is this is next level good so the average person they're going through their lives 
they might not study this to the depth, obviously, that you study it. What are the things that people can be doing that are fairly easy to implement in their everyday lives to be moving through this stuff? Yeah, well, I teach, when I do my coaching certifications, I teach something called the traffic lights of tolerance. So our nervous system works on a hierarchy. So if you think about it, the green light is when we're, we feel safe, we feel connected, we are present in that moment. The moment we perceive threat and danger, we'll move into the yellow light. Our sympathetic, we'll start pumping out cortisol and we move into fight flight. Then if we still perceive threat and danger, we'll move into freeze. Now, as human beings, we're very often not in any danger, but we're moving through that traffic light system, so to speak. So when we start to realize when we're in fight, flight or freeze, we're not in the present moment. We've shifted into our emotional part of the brain. We've kind of gone offline. So we want to get back online into the front part of our brain to shift back into that green light. So just some simple ways of doing that are engaging your senses. So looking around, what can you see? What can you smell? What can you touch? All of these things that can really help you then get your brain, get your body into the present moment where you are safe. So I teach people to make like a, a router comfort box. So it's it's like, you know, when we go offline, for instance, if we went offline on our phone, we're kind of, where's the Wi-Fi? Think of your brain and your body like that. When you shift into the yellow or the red light, how do I get myself back online? Because remember, the yellow and the red, we're in the past. So if we start looking around and there's a great breathing technique, which we call the 528. So we inhale for five, we hold for two, and then we exhale for eight. So we're extending the exhalation by three. Because if you were in actual danger, you wouldn't be able to extend the exhale of your um of your breath you just wouldn't be able to do that so so what we know is if we bring in breath work if we bring in um, our senses we're really really able then to get our bodies to recognize we're safe in the present moment and it will down regulate then that kind of hyper vigilance that kind of faster breathing in our chest and we can start moving into belly breaths as well so it's just the most simple way is look at your senses you know what can you create in a little box that will engage scent sight um, touch sound food taste all of these things that you can have in there that if you feel you're offline and this is great to do with children as well if you feel your child is suddenly being really angry they're offline they've gone into a different part of their brain there's no point in trying to have a conversation with them you need to get them back online go and get your rooted comfort box engage in those senses you'll see the nervous system down regulate they'll come back into their front front part of their brain more logical rational part then you can have those conversations and you can deal with your life way better coming from the green light being present and the front part of the brain I was literally just about to ask you if you can do this with your children so as you know I have six children and that they're all very different personalities I'm sure you have two I mean I'm sure you you understand that as a mom right this is like dealing with lots of different humans and as they grow they have different complexities and different needs and you know my oldest is almost 20 and my youngest is one so I'm dealing with you know many different different types of hormones Um, and and dysregulation I suppose at different times of the month and all of the stuff so this is really interesting because I am very I'm a homeschooler 
And I'm massively into kind of working on my children's strengths and, and supporting them in ways that are holistic and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. So this I will definitely be using with my children. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips on getting your teenagers to work on this with you? Because teenagers are prolifically like, you know, they, they like to do their own thing. Absolutely. And I think it's finding the balance that's right for your teenager or, or any of your child. You know, some will be hungry to learn this and be really open to it. Others may not. And it's not that they are not. It's a part of them. This is why I love doing parts work, you know, um, and I and all of my coaching certifications are all um, IFS informed as well. So everybody learns that on those too. So if you think about it, if you have a teenager showing up in a certain way, okay, what often happens with parents is because of our own wounds as well, we see our children's behavior as a reflection of us. So we start to behave in a certain way. A part of us starts to come up. So we are not parenting from the green light. We're not parenting from our from our true self, we start to parent from a part because their behavior might trigger that. Now, if we can keep working on ourselves, which is really important as parents, we can try and self parent as much as possible and that means we're coming from our own self when we parent the mm -hmm. other thing is when we're talking to our children if they're behaving in a bad way what we don't want to do is demonize how our children feel so very often you know if a child is naughty or they say something one of the first things we want to do is get to your room you know we're banishing them off but what we're telling our children when we do that is you know I don't want to see your emotions, you know, your, your emotions are bad. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't boundaries in your household, there absolutely are. But in moments like this, when they're behaving like that, actually, time out is one of the worst things we can do. Actually, what we need is time in. So sitting next to them, it's not fixing them or making it okay. It's being with them whilst they feel so they know it's not a bad thing, because there's a reason why they are feeling like that. Now, again, when when we start to have conversations with them, it's not, let's say your child gets really, really angry at a point and they're saying maybe not even some nice things to you. You know, when I speak to my children and, and you know, they will get angry at me sometimes if I'm setting boundaries and things like this and they want to push back at them. You know, I will say things like, I love you, but that part of you that is showing up right now is unacceptable. What I'm doing then is I'm separating the child from the behavior the child isn't a bad person. The child isn't anxious. The child isn't angry. There's a part of them. They can start to separate. You can start to have conversations like, hey, I wonder why that part showed up then. Why, why do you think it showed up? And it enables you to have conversations. For smaller children, when you do parts work, you can use Lego characters for parts. So you can kind of create a whole, you know, part system for them that they can see. They might have an anger part, an anxious part. They can then see that that's not who they are. They're there for a reason. And it's understanding of all of that. If your child comes home and they tell you, oh, I've got 10 out of 10 in a test today. What we don't want to do is go, wow, well done. You got 10 out of 10 because we're making it conditional on the actual score. You want to say things like, wow, well done. I know how hard you worked for that because then the score becomes irrelevant. It's the actual work for their potential. So teenagers, again, can be challenging because they can be really closed off to this. So really then it becomes about role modeling, starting bringing that language in, starting you know, to say, you know when you behave like that, what did it feel like in your body? And they might say, oh, it was really fizzy and my heart was going, okay. What would happen if next time you feel the start of that, 
we have a conversation and let's see if we can manage because I'm sure you don't like feeling like that either. So we start to communicate. And again, if we make a mistake, we take ownership of that as well. You know, I've often apologized to my children, particularly with my son. He loves, you know, white carbs all the time. And of course, I'm like, no, have something healthier. And I remember one time he had just a plate full of white carbs, basically. And I got really angry at him. But that wasn't me. That was a part of me, the anger part, because it triggered a core wound of me thinking I'm not a good enough mother. So the anger part came in to then project that outwardly wanting him to change his behavior to soothe my core wound. However, when I went afterwards, I said, look, you know, that wasn't good food choices. And I explained to him, sorry, I shouted. That's because a part of me showed up because I was feeling like I wasn't a good mom. And of course, he turned around and said, well, of course you are. I know what I should eat. I just wanted that in the moment. So we were able to have a really, a really good conversation around that. So he knows I'm not perfect. I have my stuff I'm working with and equally vice versa. So we become who we want our children to be. Oh, this so relates as a mom. This, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, <laughs> I have three older children and three younger children. And my parenting of my older three when they were little is very different uh, to how I parent my younger three now. And we laugh about it. And, you know, they're like, mom, this would have just never happened. I mean, you would have dealt with this very differently. Uh, but I have become very self-aware as a parent. And I think with some intention and some unintentionally I've become very aware of what I say and how I react and respond to situations and I'm very aware now because obviously I'm older that my own the the way that I was parented has had a massive impact on how I parent and so you know this internal dialogue of oh my gosh I'm becoming my dad has happened way, way more often than I'd like to admit. And so I've really had to kind of pull that back because I was I was brought up in a very strict household with very, you know, and this is what's the expectation and you will not deviate and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And um, I always didn't want to become that parent. But I, I never wanted to become that parent. But over a period of time, I slipped into that way of parenting. Yeah. And it's only when I took a step back and went, oh my God, this is not what I wanted for my life or my kids at all. And so I've had to really work on undoing that. Yeah. And that self-awareness piece has been a big part of me growing as a person. And don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of work to do. You know, as parents, oh, you're right. We, <laughs> I mean, we mess up all the time. It's real. Oh right it's just it's very real yeah. but it's 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 for me it was actually slowing down and I think so many parents can relate right we're busy we're doing this we're running businesses da, 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 da. and you go into what it is that you know yeah so can, I, <laughs> can I give you something that in my mastermind this is what I say to the ladies in my mastermind when they say I'm too busy when it's something to do with self-care where it's something to do with um you know I know I should do this but I'm just too busy and I mm -hmm. say you don't want that word busy in your vocabulary every time you say I'm too busy switch that to I'm abandoning myself Okay. And that, yeah. and I remember when I said it to them, they were like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. you're absolutely right. You know, as mums, we are busy as such. 
but we can still do lots of things without abandoning ourselves because the biggest gift we can actually give our children is keeping on working on ourselves. And I think one thing to say there, Leona, is, you know, you're not your father. You never were and you never will be. And that awareness that you had, you are a cycle breaker. You know, you have broken that cycle with your awareness and intention. You know, these things don't just happen. And, you know, and the sad things is many people will stay stuck and that's not me judging them it's because their nervous system are in such a protection mode for them Mm -hmm. but actually you brought that bit of awareness and like you say healing isn't this magical destination we wake up one day it's an ongoing journey you know we get to a new level there's another new devil and we're always working on all of that as well and it's just testament to you that you can have these amazing conversations with your three oldest children you know and create that safe space so they know you are a human being I don't realize my parents were actual human beings till I was 23 I thought they were perfect everything they said was correct and then I remember thinking oh my god they do make mistakes because actually I didn't realize I don't know it sounds really silly but I genuinely thought they were my parents and there was that level of respect and what they said was right and I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that actually what particularly my father how he behaved was not good and my mum, on the other hand and I was starting to parent just like you I was starting to parent like my mother so I was starting to parent very codependently so my Mm -hmm. sense of worth was coming from being a parent so I was putting the pressure on my children to make me feel good about being a parent because that was at one point the only sense of worth that I felt that's not fair on my children and it's that's not not but that's so real and I felt that for so long so when I had children really young I was 18 when I had my first the pressure that I not only put on them but I put on myself to be to prove to everybody that I was the perfect parent and so they were immaculate and I expected this and I expected them to be perfect and I expected you know them to do xyz abc and actually strip that back I'm not that type of person you know now now my three youngest go out and they wear what they like and they can express themselves in the way that they like and they have all kinds of many different outfits but you know that whole kind of needing to be um putting out to the outside world this level of perfection that was deeply ingrained in me and you know brought to me by my dad because that's how I was brought up yeah, I couldn't get below an A, otherwise there was big trouble. And I was putting that onto my children. And it was only when I took a step back and was like, hang on a minute, this is not what I want for my future, nor my kids' future. And once I allowed that to take to have the pressure off, life became very different for me. Yeah, I think what you highlight there is so many of us are living our lives seeking external approval because we don't feel good enough in ourselves simply for being who we are, just for breathing. We need Mm -hmm. others then to externally validate us for us to feel like, you know, we're kind of partly good enough in some respects. Just like you say, you know, we have to get the A's or we need to look a certain way or be Mm -hmm. a certain weight or show up in a certain way as such because we're looking for external validation all of the time because we're not able to give it to ourselves. Again, once we can give ourselves validation, 
it no longer becomes that we need it from anybody else. That doesn't mean that we're not hurting. And, and I think what you highlight there is that teenage mom, you know, what a judgmental society very often we live in. And again, all coming from their own past traumas as such, mm-hmm. everybody's trying to show up in a certain way because we don't want anyone to kind of find us out that we're not good enough. But nobody yeah. is not good enough. What child do we know that isn't good enough? We all are. But when we've not had parents or caregivers showing us that simply for being who we are, we show up in very different ways, seeking others to make us feel like that as well. Mm. And that's very real. And I think that that is for so many people. That is just, I mean, social media highlights that, you know, it's, it's so prolific and relevant and in people's faces consistently. And if it's not what you've grown up with it's the media that you're consuming and the people that you're surrounding yourself I mean is that is just consistently in your face and we have to break that cycle for ourselves because otherwise we consistently live in that I'm not good enough I must do xyz abc to please you know people that we've never probably even met Correct. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just be really mindful who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're following on social media. You know, I hardly ever know on social media. I'm so terrible, Leona. I don't know half the time what's going on, to be fair, because I'm so laser focused on the people that I want to help. You know, I'll follow people like you and some of my friends and stuff as well, because, you know, I know you and but I love watching you because, you know, I see your post and it gives me joy. Don't follow people that when you read their posts, you start to feel your sensations rising or you you want to start, you know, you, you're going into a nervous system response reading someone else's post. I always think, mm-hmm. no, you don't want that poison of cortisol in your body when there's no actual danger. Absolutely not. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people. What you're seeing is the right stuff. You know, I'll only watch the news once a day because otherwise I know as an empath, I feel it in my body and I don't want that excess cortisol in my body leading to disease and illness down the line. I I just don't want that in there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful for you joining me today. Um, Honestly, you have so much wisdom. Oh, thank you. I'm like, no, which wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) You are not old. (laughs) Okay. So before you go, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so obviously the usual channels, probably the main ones will be Instagram and on Facebook as well. So, you know, come and give me a follow, drop me a message. We always try and answer every single person that comes into our inbox. You know, drop us an email, hello at carolinestrawson.com. You know, we're always here to, you know, if we can't help, we'll try and direct people out as well. Because, you know, I know even the step two message is a really big deal for lots of people as well, because it can sometimes be that first step to awareness as well. Absolutely. And there are so many people that are, are looking for that help and support. I'm super excited because I start studying with you soon. I know. Study. I'm just so excited. I don't know what I've signed up for, but I'm, I'm I know. Well, we are now officially the world's only trauma-informed coaching and leadership qualification. There's lots of accreditations like ICF and CPD, which we are, but we're actually now a level seven master's degree equivalent qualification. First one in the world. We want to raise the game, not only of coaching, but of getting trauma-informed practice out there with professionals, individuals, and just people who want to learn more so that they can be better parents and make a better difference in the world as well so yeah we'll look after you don't worry (laughs) I'm so 
excited. <laughs> I, rang, I rang my grandparents. I was like, what? I'm doing a, a level seven. And they, my granny friend, she's amazing. Shout out to granny friend. She'll never listen to this. She's, she's not a podcast listener, but she was so proud. And I was like, oh, that was my intern. I needed that validation of like, yeah. because I didn't go to university and finish my degree. You know, I needed somebody to say. We've had a lot of people do that, actually. We've had quite a lot of people, Leona, join this that, you know, had parents that, you know, made them feel worthless so they didn't go to uni. They'd been in abusive marriages and that. And it's like their second chance to feel like they're getting an actual qualification so mm -hmm. we take that really seriously with supporting people through all of that so yeah we're really excited about it yeah I, I think that's what excited not excited me the most but one of the things that excited me the most was actually doing this for me yeah. of you know I did my HNC but I left before I finished my HND yeah. and I wanted because I love to study to do something at a high level for me and when I realized it was for me I was like I'm all in I'm all in but you know the fact that my grandparents were proud of me did help I mean it de de definitely made me happy. we all like getting praise you know we're all human beings it's, it's really nice getting praise and stuff and that like, absolutely you know and it just it's nice that you can tell your grandparents that's so lovely I'm excited so thank you so much for joining me today you are an absolute legend Ladies and gents, please make sure that you go check out check out Caroline Strawson because honestly, she's on a on a mission to change the world, and that lady is doing just that. Caroline, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Leona. And that concludes today's episode with me, Leona Burton. You have been listening to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. Wow, what an episode! Before you go, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Peaks Private Members Club for their sponsorship. Just remember, Peaks isn't just about events. It is about creating an environment where entrepreneurs who are serious about scaling their business coming together with a focus on mastermind sessions, unique mentoring, and deep, meaningful connections and conversations. Peaks is about redefining the entrepreneurial journey. Discover more at peaksprivatemembersclub.com and make sure you go and follow Nicola Peak on Facebook or any of her other socials. For our listeners, Peaks is offering a special opportunity. Reach out to Nicola and mention my Rebel podcast and you'll be in to receive an exclusive discount.